Welcome to Series 2 of the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. I'm Leslie Goodburn and I decided to develop the podcast after the death of my husband Seth from pancreatic cancer. I wanted to help others understand the disease, its impact, the work that goes on every day to find treatments and hopefully one day a cure. Throughout the series you'll be accompanied by me and my friend Charlotte Foster from Charlotte Foster Productions and we'll talk all about the aspects of the disease from biology to emotional and physical impact. Along the way, we'll meet patients, families, doctors, nurses, oncologists, researchers, lots of different people with varied and different interesting experiences of the disease. The podcast will be frank about the reality of the disease. They will show the commitment and dedication of people working to support a breakthrough in a cancer where survival rates have barely changed in the last 50 years. But they will also focus on the love, the community of support and personal stories of those whose lives are affected. So join us on our second journey of discovery via the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast, made in memory of Seth Goodburn. For this episode, I've travelled to Liverpool, to the Royal Liverpool Hospital, to talk to a pretty special bunch of people. Before I let you know who they are, I need to mention two other pretty special people, because this episode is sponsored by Sandra Henschel and Gail Pyatt. So thank you very much to those two for helping support these podcasts and get that message about pancreatic cancer out there. Well, somebody else who is helping the uh, the course is Phil Whelan. He's the pancreatic milling nurse here at the Royal Liverpool Hospital. Big Phil, as he's known as, uh, set up um, or helped set up and he now runs the buddy group that takes place at the hospital. Uh, I began our conversation by asking him to tell me all about this group. So it came about from our support group, which we've been running for a few years and at every group meeting it's an opportunity for patients and family members to chat with each other and we also have a kind of a professional who comes in to do a little talk and at the end we have like a little summary of what's wanted for next time we had a quite a few patients and family members say they'd like to maybe try and give something back and it, that kind of really, it led from there really and in my head what i thought was that oh i'll just get these some some people just to come into the ward and meet a few patients and I wouldn't bother telling the hospital authorities so to speak about it and then realised we had to do things properly so we had to write a job description there was an interview process there was um, a training programme we set up and then we've now got our, our buddies who are doing really well at the hospital and we're very very proud of what they do. How important is it to have these buddies sort of tell their experience to patients who are just starting their their journey? I think the feedback from patients and relatives says how important it is. Obviously, uh, I've worked in the pancreatic unit for a number of years. The surgeons have done hundreds of pancreas operations. I've never had pancreas cancer surgery and neither has any of the surgeons that, that I'm aware of. So to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, we find it really appropriate. And the patient's feedback to us saying often the thing they remember the most is their meeting with the buddy. It's sometimes not appropriate for every patient who goes for surgery to be matched with a buddy. We've found there is some patients with complex medical needs that sometimes don't 
they wouldn't maybe benefit from that. And we have to triage patients as a, as a nursing team. Um, but the the feedback we're getting is, is fantastic and it's testament to the team. And actually now we've, uh, we've had an... Um, a volunteer process again and an application process and there's another three buddies that are going to be employed from september which is great so it means more numbers and we can see see patients um better at the preoperative clinic hopefully more patients just because the rotors could expand and one of our buddies we're employing is quite interested in meeting patients pre-chemotherapy as kind of the niche that he may help with um so that's we're looking to expand that service as well you talked a lot about expansion. How else would you like to see the service grow and develop? I think for from our, our unit, it's a very big surgical unit. It's a very big oncology unit. When I started here, we did maybe two operations a week, um, maybe obviously maybe 70 to 100 pancreas operations a year. Now we're doing in probably over 200 pancreas operations a year. So we need to factor in more support for patients in that and their families. So... We need more clinical nurse specialists, probably more advanced nurse practitioners to see patients on the ward. We want to expand um, the type of surgery we can do. So some of the surgeons are working on some robotic surgery, more laparoscopic surgery, so keyhole surgery. Probably more advances in surgical technique where tumours that were deemed maybe inoperable or locally advanced, maybe have a time of period of time on chemotherapy and the surgeons now are trying to remove those tumours whereas traditionally they were thought of as inoperable so I think there's going to be a lot of advances in the next few years over chemotherapy before surgery and then more aggressive more advanced surgery but the most important thing is never to forget the the patient at the end of that it's all very well as saying we're going to do this really big operations we're going to make them bigger and maybe more frightening if we can have patients who have been through this operation supporting patients who are going to go through it at every step that's equally as important so i think as a unit expands we need to expand our supportive network as well i think that's very important you mentioned the buddy schemes been going quite well it's a award-winningly well isn't it it is award-winningly well <laughs> so the group won firstly they won a the employee of the month um which was nice and we had a few nice pictures with the chief executive and then the group got nominated so every two years there's a an awards night in the hospital and the group got nominated from not from myself from even though i think they're amazing but i couldn't nominate them and they got nominated from um patients who had kind of utilized the service and family members and they got then shortlisted for what's called the, a corporate award in the trust. Now, there's about 50 nominations and three groups got um, shortlisted for the final three. Which And we thought we were just so happy to be shortlisted for the final three. And we had a very nice evening at Anfield, and um, so Liverpool's football ground. And we had a nice meal together and a chat. And it was nice because some of the, the surgeons were there as well and the groups kind of interacted quite well. And then the awards got announced and, and the guys won it. So it was really it was fantastic for them. And they've done such a lot of good for so many patients. And I think the model we've adopted, um, I've, I've, I would say I've banged on about it for a long time. So I've spoken to a lot of other units in the country and it's quite a unique group so other units are trying to bring it into their practice i know our our upper gi so our stomach cancer service in the hospital they do have a volunteer group but they do things 
a lot differently and still support patients very well but since the buddies have been doing what they've been doing they've they've started to mirror how we do things at pre-op so it's affected other cancer groups as well and I know it's been utilized in Germany and Holland now because we've presented some information there so it's been what was thought of as just a uh, wow this is a good idea and a support group is kind of um, steamrolled from there and we're really happy with that you've gone international we've gone international yeah um we've broken brexit so we, we've, we've got into europe and we'll continue to do that these people give their own time to come and see people on a friday morning in a pre-op clinic and they do it really well so none of them from what i'm aware are, are trained they're not trained in the health service they're not counselors they do an amazing job and they give their time their experience and their passion really and i I couldn't be more proud of them so i love them to pieces i was also lucky enough while i was there to meet two actual real life buddies john and sylvia gave me some of their time to talk to me about what it is they do i'm 76 I was 71 when I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer Um, and when they told me, they told me that I would be out of action for 12 months and that was all I knew about it and that is why I come back now and and talk to people, they ask will we we join this buddy system. I find myself, I find that it's, it's very good to talk to people and I get a lot out of it myself. I, I've, for doing this podcast, I've spoken to lots of people who've been dealing with pancreatic cancer in their lives, yeah. either supporting uh, family members, having the diagnosis themselves, or just people who are working to try and stop this terrible disease. But I still haven't been affected by it directly. Yeah. So for people who are in my shoes, what I can't begin to imagine what it must be like. What was it like for you to hear those words that, you, you know, you're dealing with pancreatic cancer? It was a great shock. Uh, I actually was very quiet for a few minutes and reflected on it. And then I realised that, well, I'm 71, at least I've had a life. Uh, you know, uh, let's face what comes in the future. And that's how I accepted it. I just accepted and I was positive. I was going to say, and, and as his wife, what was it like for you? Um, dreadful, dreadful, because, um, well, yeah, I lost my father to pancreatic cancer when I was a teenager, so the diagnosis for John, I just lost it. The team around me were brilliant, and one of the, well, Phil, he came in at that point and said, you know, I'll be looking after you. So he went white, I lost the plot, and then you come to reality. And we just decided we had to get on with it. And you have to. They just said, look, whatever it is, whatever happens, you're going to have lots of visits to hospital. It's going to be a long job, um, but we can do it. And in my mind, those were the words, we can do it. And all through the time, waiting for the surgery, post-op, we can do it and that's what did it for me and five years on it's it's fine it's amazing the power of just a few words isn't it liverpool hospital have been brilliant um i can get quite emotional when i think about them and the guy who looks after the buddy group he's just he's just amazing 
Um, but yeah, when they we first came to a support group meeting, which was shortly, well, as soon as you you were still on chemo, or had you finished chemo? Um, and we went to the support group, and Phil said he was thinking of doing this buddy group, and um, John said, right, I'll go for it. I'll give a bit back, and. Um, I said, well, I'll do it with you. So I am a buddy, even though I've not had surgery. I can see it from the side of the carer, which absolutely is no different to caring for anyone who's had surgery. Um, but, yeah, from my point of view, what he had to go through, um, that's, that's why I'm part of the buddy group. Usually, the patient comes with a carer, and I find that, they will ask me questions sometimes we've had good reactions and they end up chatting and and then the carer will sort of ask me something what was he like when he came out of hospital um and I can say in all honesty what he was like for good and for bad everything um and you know what he needed and uh, how I dealt with certain aspects of it and um yeah it, it works I'm pleased to be part of it. I'm pleased because I'm supporting John, but I'm also pleased because I feel sometimes the carer will ask questions that that the patient won't. I don't know. It seems I'm, I'm just in the background, really, but it seems to work. So, what do you do then as a buddy group? We meet the the patient and the carer. There's usually two people here, maybe more if they have other family with them. And then we just open it up and they will, John will say, you know, I had the surgery five years ago and then they will ask questions and um, usually, usually it's, it's, you can't say in advance what it's going to be like. We never know, do we? Yeah. But when we're leaving, we, we feel that, yeah, it's, it's gone well. It always yeah, has done. We have a good it? feeling about it when, when we're leaving with them and, and they've got a smile on the face. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, put it in one or two afterwards at the support group, not all of them, but one or two have come to the support group well and, you know, either on the way past chemo or, um, or having chemotherapy and, yeah, they've sort of come and said, you know, hello and, yeah, it's, it's just... It's just all right. They're glad they met us. They're really glad for the information, haven't they? We wish we had... I think this is one of the reasons why we're perhaps keen to do it, is because we would have loved to have seen somebody, because I only had um, bad vibes on pancreatic cancer. I had a friend whose husband died 30 years ago, and um, I I went through the whole process with her, and it was a long process. And... um, if I'd met somebody after diagnosis that was positive, it would have been absolutely brilliant. So, you know, if, if it helps in that way, then we're just content to do it. You're a bit like a big brother and a big sister guiding someone through some uh, an experience they haven't been through yet, then I suppose, is, in, in a way. Is that accurate? Is that fair to say? Mm. I don't know. I think... It, I never feel like that. I never. F- I just feel as though I'm I'm Sylvia and he's John, and this is what we've gone through. And if it helps for you to know what we've gone through and how we've coped with it, then um, you know. But other than that, don't have a feeling 
we've met one or two of the patients otherwise other other than at the support group only just if they've happened to be in hospital when John's come for his, his six monthly checkups and uh, just stayed a couple of minutes and just say hi you're on the right way now and yeah it never feel like we're we don't keep in touch or anything like that afterwards um but if it helps to interested to hear people have gone on that i am always interested uh another thing is that um when people come in who we're going to talk to they look at me and, and they've said after that, uh, well, you didn't need to say anything because you looked so well after five years that that's, that was enough for us. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, you're right. And the, the, one of the questions they asked, and um, how are you feeling now? I said, well, I feel 95% as good as I was before, but that 5% is old age. So, and that uh, causes a bit of a laugh, really. So I feel absolutely... Brilliant, you know, no, no, no problems whatsoever. So I was going to say, and I'm not just, you know, trying to be flattering. I think you don't a look 76, and b you don't look like you've been through the ringer over the last five years either. So well, you know, what they think when they walk in, they they just look at me and they say, "Crikey, you know, you you look fit," and I do, I feel fit, and it's not as I was a sportsman. I was very active in my previous life, you know, um, and that's and that was a good help. He's still active. Fells trees, <laughs> takes up flags. Um, yeah, no, it don't never stop. Uh, another uh, f- thing was I'm, I'm an identical twin, my brother Colin. He came to visit me after two or three days and uh, he decided to take the, uh, the cases out and down the corridor and who should he walk into but one of the surgeons. And the surgeon says, what are you doing? He said, walking down with all that there. And he didn't believe he had to come to my bed and look at me and say, oh, yes, I, can, I understand. <laughs> understand. So that, that was amusing part of it. And it's good that you can tell people that there are there is humour there. It's not all dark oh, and it's not all gloom, is it? And that's so important to hear. Uh, when I was in uh, the ward, there was four of us in the ward, and... The humour was fabulous, and I was the oldest one, 70, 71, and um, the, the others, and I was the one helping them. And but when I when I went, my wife had bought me some Marks and Spencers old-fashioned pajamas, and of course I walked when I decided to put these pajamas on. They all started laughing. Whatever have you got there? And they'd all bright coloured orange shorts and that. And I, I said to me, well, I need some bright coloured orange shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> did you get Did you get them? And I got them. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. Hope you have found it useful, enjoyable and and as much fun as I had uh, listening to and chatting to uh, John, Sylvia and uh, Phil as well at the Royal Liverpool Hospital. If you want to find out more, you can look on our website, purplerainbow.co.uk and also keep an eye out for more episodes of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts. They'll be coming very soon. If you want to get in touch and sponsor these podcasts as well, help us keep them going, then you can get in touch via the website as well, purplerainbow.co.uk. Remember, this episode is sponsored by Sandra Henschel and Gail Pyre, and we're very grateful to the pair of them. Thank you for listening.